This is episode five of the Ins and Outs podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I'm going to be quizzing Polly on colour in the garden and how we can use colour. We are also going to be talking a lot about bulbs and how to look after them, when to plant them, uh, different evergreens, different types of shrubs, when to move shrubs. And of course, we will be talking about a little bit of personal stuff in there, like sleeping bears, how to use your nipples to know when to plant your bulbs <laughs> guys yes. everything we've got it for you don't forget if you're enjoying this and if you're learning something please subscribe follow share with your mates we're getting near the end now and we really want to keep going so if you do that then we can keep doing this for you oh yeah do you know what leave us a review please leave us reviews because we want to hear what you've got to say if it's nice if it's not take your negativity elsewhere <laughs> yeah yes only positive queen don't watch you around here <laughs> We are, we find ourselves in autumn. And I actually have to say, autumn's my favourite season, apart from spring. Are you and I like, also really like summer. Are you full pumpkin spice latte girl? Are you like uh, a little Ugg boot, little pumpkin spice, little cute little hat? No. Photos of your feet in leaves? No, you'll see over there, that's about as far as I go. I have some sort of red leaves in my house. Class. I'm not like a let's just decorate the whole house with stuffed pumpkins. I, th- I think it's mildly consumerism. Anyway. Oh, shade. So autumn. Oh, oh, I love this time of year. And it's an insanely busy time of year for the studio and for gardens. Uh, it's it's big planting time. Now's the time. So Is that why your t-shirt says gardening? Just to remind everyone. Yes, I'd like everyone to remember exactly what it is that I like to it's talk about. It's just to about. remind yourself what you do. I am obsessed with this t-shirt. It's a really cool t-shirt. I want a t-shirt for every status of what I'm up to. Or it could be a mood. Pissed off. <laughs> it would just be perpetually that one. Bit grumpy. Hungry. Angry. <laughs> a little tired. Okay. It's such a busy time. It's mental. It's um, the weird thing about working in gardens is people think like, oh, you're really busy in summer. And it's it's not. You're busy the other times. Because mm-hmm. now is when you're going to start thinking about what you're going to plant in your garden. Because you can start planting now. And if you get plants in before Christmas, they kind of start hitting their stride. They start rooting. Mm. So if we're talking about colour today, this is when you'd start planning your colour for outside. Can I ask you something? It's a kind of a rhetorical question, but I'm just going to ask because it's. I found it really fun. You taught me this last year. I was talking about moving a tree or was it some hedges? Mm. And there was a particular time of the year that you said was the perfect time to move hedges and trees because their roots go into like the sleep mode, don't they? they and do. they curl up and like sleep. And that's the time to move them. Yes. Is that right? They're in slumber. Yes. Is it this month? It's now, baby. Yes. It's, it's now. You did listen. Hey, did you learned listen. something. Yes. So this is exactly it. This is why this is kind of the start of the gardening year, not the end of it, even though you'd probably think end of summer, end of the gardening year. This is the start. This is when you plan it all. And this is when you move stuff. So everything's going to sleep. Think of it like a little bear. And you don't want to move a bear while it's awake. So you move it when it's sleeping. I've never used that before and I quite like it. I love that. So now is the time. October and March is when you move evergreens. For uh, you know, like hedging, yeah. evergreen hedging, evergreen trees, small ones. But October through to March is when you move everything else. 
So it's when you put things in the ground, yes. basically, and you can move things. Yes. The only rule, the only thing you wouldn't do is if your ground was completely waterlogged, which I doubt it's going to be like now. Mm. But, you know, in January, if it's so, if it's waterlogged or completely frozen, but then like best of luck to you even digging the hole. But essentially, you move things when they're sleeping so they don't notice. Like moving a sleeping baby. We've all done that when they were, were little mm-hmm. and you're like, quick, transfer them. Yes. The danger nap. Same with plants. Okay. All right. So here's the big question, the all-important colour question. Mm. Is it possible to have colour in your garden all year round? Yes. But. Yes, I knew there was but. There's always a but. The interesting thing, so inside your colour is kind of permanent, right? Like you're not repainting your walls every season. Whereas Outside, you need to look at your garden in terms of seasons. So can you have the colour that you have in midsummer all year round? Absolutely not. And it's about embracing a different mode of colour through the seasons. And this is something I spend a lot of time trying to educate people on, is you've got to start seeing the beauty and decay. So your amazing hydrangea Annabelle you have outside. Great plant, beautiful white clouds in summer. But then they go brown in autumn they're brown now and you've got to start seeing that as beauty and interest because autumn is all about those deciduous trees and shrubs changing to yellow and red but there's a difference between brown and crusty and a nice red isn't there (laughs) there is but there is there is interest from both Mm -hmm. and and it's a perception thing so I used to get clients we'd put certain plants into the garden like hydrangea and they would hate that they were brown in the autumn and winter and we'd be going ah but can you not see the value in having some sculptural interest even if it's not purple or white and some some can embrace that and some just want to hack them to the ground but it's about looking at your color in your garden through the different seasons so you don't have one color scheme in a garden you probably have three or four and they change per season so that's why it's so important now to plan your color for the whole damn year chunk it into your seasons and then pick plants per one Mm -hmm. and if you want to be really geeky and I suggest you do you're going to need a spreadsheet or if you don't like spreadsheets do it on a piece of paper but essentially what you're doing when you're choosing your flowers and your plants is you need to make sure you've got at least a few things in flower in each month. Because the mistake everyone makes is putting in loads of roses and iris and things that look amazing in July, June, July. But they don't think, hmm, September, October, what am I looking at? And what you should be looking at in autumn now is trees that are changing to incredible yellows and reds. The kind Mm. of thing that you're going to see on Instagram, these amazing tonal colors so your autumn color if we approach that first is coming from essentially dying leaves Mm. uh, because that's what they are so if you've got a garden full of evergreen lumps you're not going to get any seasonal color because they keep their leaves green all year round but if you bring in some really stunning trees like my favorites are liquid amber which is you'll have seen it it looks like a tree which is on fire it's like a maple Mm. like the typical trees that you'd see in new england you know that's really famous in america exactly those are all sort of maples and aces and they all go these amazing oranges and reds that is what you're aspiring to Mm. in autumn you want that sort of blaze of plants just before they drop their leaves so because obviously when they drop their leaves then you just have nothing yes so 
what's the lovely is it a spellier spellier the one that's a lovely tree that gives you privacy but it doesn't drop its leaves but it turns brown and then the green ones grow through yeah what's that called so well you'd be talking about you're talking about either beech or hornbeam hornbeam i think that's the one i'm thinking of which are often on a pleach which is when it's essentially um a stem with a right box on top yeah be a pleach tree okay but i mean that's a great you've chosen a great plant there so one of my favourites for autumn is hornbeam mm. or beech. They're both great. They're both great, but we'll use them in hedging because you've got this amazing green screen in the summer, and then it turns to butter yellow in autumn. Then you're right; it turns brown. But both of those hold on to their leaves, mm. kind of, through the winter. And you'll see on really mature ones if people have them, um, they'll often have them in front of their house. And you know, it's like a big brown hedge. Some people think that looks really ugly and dead. But I look at it and go, ah, oh, that's so lovely. That's like, it's a screen. It's showing the seasons. It's more colourful than twigs. And you know that the green will come again. So to me, those two are brilliant options for hedging and trees. The downside of those guys is they're kind of boring in spring. But then presumably in spring is when all your daffs and your daffodils come up. So that's your interest. Yes. So autumn, if you kind of think of your seasons, autumn is the season of oranges, reds and yellows and deciduous plants essentially changing colour before they drop. Mm-hmm. And so if you're planning for autumn, you're going for really beautiful trees like liquid amber or amelanchia or circus or certain cherries. They're all going to go yellows and reds and that's your sort of blaze. That's your autumn blaze. I know it sounds so geeky, but just having a spreadsheet where you're like, right, what's what's giving me autumn colour? And just like find four things you like, four or five things you like and just be like, right, that's September, October, November covered. Mm. Done. They go, well, what, what am I going to be looking at in winter? Like, well, well winter, I'm going to have evergreen structure. So I'm going to maybe have some yew balls, holly, uh, whatever your evergreen flavour is. But there are some things you can get for winter colour. It's things like cornice or dogwood. So I don't know if you've seen, if you've ever been to kind of Wisley or somewhere like that, you'll see them really bright neon coloured stems mm-hmm. in winter. But that is a way of getting colour in a border. It's, they're electric. They look like they're on fire. Funnily enough, I had some of those outside in the garden and I thought they looked completely out of place in the, this garden. They're, they're best in kind of a woodland scheme. Oh, right, OK. Or sort of near silver birch or... They're mm. a big shrub. Okay. So they're not something you'd put right in the front of the border. They're sort of more edgy. But is colour a little bit like in an interior if, if everything was fairly muted and quite calm mm. and quite earthy? And you suddenly put a red cushion on a sofa. That is the first thing you're going to see when you walk into the room. So do you think about that as being, if you're going to do it, you have to space them out. And you can't just have that one thing in the, even like the trees you're talking about, the lovely trees that go like yellow. Yes. And then, what did you say it was called? Sorry, the, the, the maple. Liquid amber. Liquid amber. Is that, if that, if you just have one of those, for instance, in your garden, is it going to stick out like a sore thumb? Or do you have to sort of plan there for when you're, where you're going to put them or, or is one okay? No, one is okay, okay because that would be your focal point. Okay. That would be your wow factor feature of that season whilst everything else is either green or dying. Okay. So no, I wouldn't say that's the case. As long as you've planned it, okay. it's not at a time when it's going to clash with anything else because everything is either the same colour as that or starting to go brown or green. Okay, so you're saying autumn colours are going to be sort of yellows, oranges, then turns to brown. And then you go into winter and you're saying that's very much like structure, green, evergreen holly that sort of thing then you're moving into your spring and that's when the garden starts livening up yes and that's oh god I love spring but it's so spring for me is 
blossom and bulbs yeah that's your thing so it's and this is where your trees are so key because deciduous trees if you pick a good one will have blossom in spring like uh, certain pears ornamental pears or amelanchia which is just such a classic but it's got little white blossom in spring and it turns orange in autumn oh lovely so that to me that's a great value tree which is giving you spring it's giving you green in the summer and then it's giving you orange and yellow in autumn that's and then earned its place winter that all the leaves drop off so you've yes. got it but so that's the only downside about it but otherwise it's giving you three out of four it's giving you three out of four, three out of four. if you have an evergreen tree it's a green blob year round so gotcha to me amelanchia lamarchii it's like it's almost a cliche in the design world it's so popular right okay um it's that popular does it have another name <laughs> Oh, God. Service berry, I think, is it's oh, okay. um, what it's called. Right. You know, like it's... I'm going to have to listen to this back generic and name. take notes. Amelanchia lamarchii. So spring is your blossoming trees. So amelanchia cherries. Yeah. Like, oh, mm. God, who doesn't love a cherry blossom? Love. A lot of people love magnolia. I personally don't think it works hard enough. Drops a lot, doesn't it? You get like two weeks and it's done. Yeah. Blink and you miss it. But, you know, some people love it. In London, they look incredible, don't they? They do, they do. Uh, So that's how you get your kind of spring interest up high. Mm -hmm. And then down below. (laughs) We like it down below. We do like it down below. That's your bulbs. Okay. And I'm obsessed with bulbs. There are enough spring bulbs out there that if you're clever, you can have something flowering January, February, March, April, May, June, probably even July. Wow. And by then your garden's looking pretty good with your fun stuff okay wow so you can start with snowdrops you've got crocus you've got little tiny daffodils Mm. some people hate the bigger daffodils some you know do you like yellow daffodils do you know it's so funny because I never used to like daffodils growing up they were always one of my mum's tulips and daffs were always my mum's favorite flowers and I was always like oh I never really understood it and now I I think they're a joy I I just they're they're like sunflowers I I I don't particularly like sunflowers but I love them if that makes sense yeah they're like a real I get them. They're such a happy flower. And the way they move around and they just are, they're happy. They're really, they're they're a sign of spring. As soon as the daffodils start popping up, even on the lawn or on the side of the, on a road, or you just feel like, it's a sign of hope, right? I I find it. People are funny about them, but you can get really pretty white ones as well if you don't like yellow. Yeah, I love the white ones. I know that yellow Mm. offends a lot of people. But again, it's where your spreadsheet comes in. You're like, January, I've got snowdrops. February, I've got crocus. March, I've got daffodils. April, I've got early tulips. And this is where I suspect you and most people go wrong. Well, actually... I, I went a bit mad on tulips, as you know, last year, and I planted yes. them late, late. You and did. in the end, I was out in the rain with my cagoule on, and I was just shoving them in the ground, just like, by manually. Oh, do that again. Shoving them in the ground manually. <laughs> and I didn't have that brilliant machine that you've got, like, <laughs> which I should get this year. I knew I had a massive bag of white bulbs, these beautiful big white, they look like swans. And then I had all this mixture of dark purples and dark reds and Ooh, dark oranges and loads of different bags of those, but individually. And I just thought, right, I'm just going to stick all the white ones around the apple tree and then I'll stick these in random pots. Love it. Terracotta pots. And I just kind of shove them all in and hope for the best. Interestingly, the white ones came up really early. So they would be earlies. Earlies. This is the only reason I know this because the white ones came up. And then I was like, that's so interesting. They're up and they're full. Yeah. And then the other ones took a while. And the darkest ones were the last to come out. Yes. Is that right? Well, not necessarily. They're just late. They're late. So tulips, you get early and you get late. So again, and that's all on your guide. 
Yes. Really useful. That was the bit that took the longest, was figuring out combinations of tulips which look good together because we don't want you just having just white one mm. one cultivar. We've got like five or six for each one so that you've got a collection for early and then they hand over to your lates. Yeah, because what was interesting is the big white ones that I had, I can't remember the names, I'll have to try and find the names, the great big white ones I had, if they'd come up next to these little purple ones, they would have looked ridiculous because the white ones are actually open and almost coming to the end. And then the purple ones was a tiny little bud and it, they would have looked really wrong together. So but it's actually, a good succession, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this but is not why to, yeah, your spreadsheet comes in again. Yes. So you do, these are my early tulips and you choose two or three. And this is where you start getting, like you do, into your colour palettes. And you're like, well, what do I want my early tulips to look like? A mix of pink and purple or whites and greens or really hot colours. Mm. And then you choose again for your lates. And then you go into alliums for May and June and maybe yeah. even July. And then you've you've kind of dealt with all of that tricky time when there's not a lot of colour out mm. there. You've got to get it from your bulbs. And then you get into summer, which you need to divide into. You've okay. got early summer, like around Chelsea Flower Show. Okay. May. Yeah. And then you've got late summer. So let's break those two up. So what, what are you thinking for early summer? Early summer tends to be when more of your purples and greens are in flower. Okay. I know, right? Mind blown. Alliums. Yes, exactly. What do you see at Chelsea Flower Show? Very dark purple salvias, cat mints, um, mm. beautiful irises? green grasses. Yes, irises. Oh, and you could have some fun with them. They're beautiful. There are some Oh, the, the bruised tones that were in Sarah Price's garden last year. Ooh, so sexy. What was those frilly knickers that you had? That was an iris. The, oh, that was an iris. Iris wondrous. It's like an apricot. It was beautiful. Frilly knickers. Mm, frilly knickers. I see, I do listen. You do. I pay attention. So, so you can actually also have your little pops of orange there too from things like GM. But it is a time of purples, whites and greens. Okay. And so if you love that as a scheme, have that as a scheme for your early summer. But it's okay to then go, right, well, late summer, it's going to hand over to slightly hotter colours because it does, mm. which people don't tend to like. But if you ignore your late summer, your garden's going to be boring from late July through to September. Things like your roses, your iris, really beautiful geraniums will have done their first flush. So they're kind of starting to die back a bit or look a bit tired. And this is when, brace yourself, because this is one that really divides people. You need ornamental grasses. I love them. Do you? Love them. I'm glad to hear it. I like the ones that are fluffy, that just are fluffy. Me do you know too. What I, mean? I do know. They're I love so a fluffy grass. Ornamental grasses are amazing. And I'm not talking about the ones that are like synonymous with swingers, like a big old pampas grass in, you know, 80s vibes. I feel like, did I teach you that? No. Is that a thing? I mean, how would I have taught you that? But they are, right? Yeah. They, they're the, pump, pump, the big yeah. plumy ones outside people's houses yeah. that's a sign that you're a swinger I think it was probably in the 70s I don't know that it is now I'm going to go with it is you're just going to well, drive past got, people's houses you, being like swingers. swingers swingers yeah yeah swinger knock on the door and be like Sue keys keys I'm here nudge you nudge wink I've never had them specified in a planting plan either but if I do I'll be like but the reason grasses are so great is... The amount of people that are going to be listening to this that have those outside their house, they'll be like, oh, fuck, running out like with a second Just pop a little sign in doing like, we are not swingers. Not swingers. You've got, you've got grasses. Some of the best ones, Miscanthus, basically all of them, but I like morning light. But also Calamagrostis. Say that quick. Gosh, Calamagrostis. 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 Say again. Calamagrostis. Calamagrostis. You got it. Calamagrostis. And in particular, Carl Forster. Carl Forster. Which I can only presume is named That's after Carl Forster. Carl Forster. Yeah. 
great grass, really tall. Uh, it comes into its own in August. And the the feathery bits on a grass are their flowers. Oh, okay. So that's technically its flowering season. But what I love about them is they just keep on going through the winter. Mm. So they're another example of structure in winter that's going to kind of swish. Yeah, and lovely. your fluffy ones you like, which look like bunny tails, just lovely for winter as well. So whack them in. That's going to give you some late summer interest. And then with that, it's things like echinacea. Do you know what that is? I, have, I do know what echinacea because yeah. I take echinacea for the immune system. Excellent. But I don't know what it looks like. Pink, like a pink cone flower. It's like a little cone with pink, like a big pink daisy. Oh, right. Oh, yes, I do. Kind know of, what, do you know what I do? Because actually on the bottle it has a picture of, actually has a picture of it. So I do know what That's it looks like. That's what it looks like, like Pat. Yes, that'll be it. That's so they're lovely. Helenium, which is dark orange. And this is where I lose people. How do you remember these names? This is amazing. Helenium. No, you can tell me every colour on the paint and paper library. Can't I you? can so you know yeah these are the kind of latin words so it's totally different yeah it takes a while it's, yeah i can imagine but helenium is um essentially a small dark orange to brown version of an echinacea okay uh but again really great for late summer interest kind of bunches out looks amazing with grasses and then if you prefer your purples there's still hope for late summer okay plant some asters asters what do they look like little purple daisies Oh, right. I think they're called a Michaelmas daisy. Okay, sweet. But little, tiny little purple flowers. Aster Monch is very good. M-O-N-C-H. It's like a big old mound of purple daisies. Beautiful, but lovely mm. for late summer. But it's those kind of plants that people overlook. And they're so busy thinking about roses and iris and pretty geraniums that they forget that second season when those are all looking kind of tired and you need something to hand over to. And so that's when you have your second summer scheme. Okay, so the first, so you've got a bed, summer season, they're starting to go. Yeah. And then second summer is, is sort of starting to come out. Yes. What do you do with those that have started to wilt and die? Do you take them out or do you cut, dead have them, leave them? No, so you, what I tend to do with things like catmint, for example, napita, which gets big. It looks a bit like lavender. It's purple and sort of scented. Cats okay. apparently love it, but I've never had any issue with that. It's what I would use instead of lavender, in fact, because I think it's better value. Oh, okay. Flowers for longer and What's it, it doesn't get woody. Nepeta. Nepeta. N-E-P-E-T-A. Okay. Or catmint. Okay, catmint's easier. But for example, that gets really big. It's amazing in May, May and June, but by July, it looks a bit knackered. So you grab it. Cut it. Haircut. Like okay. a, grab it like a ponytail and cut it. That scares people. But what it does is it will start to re-sprout and you'll probably get a second flush of flowers. Right, okay. Um, so you do that well you've got two choices there actually with may there's something called the chelsea chop and that means after chelsea flower show which is late may so usually sort of between the 20th of may early june you cut all of these plants back by a half or you cut half a plant back by a half even if it's got heads on it looks like it's doing okay because what it does is extends the flowering season it must feel so strange to do that it feels sacrilegious yeah but you're like i'm doing this did you ever, my mum used to go and get my hair cut as a kid quite frequently. Really wanted it long. She kept it a bob, mm. the irony. And she'd be like, we're cutting it to make it thicker. I was like, no, you're not. She wasn't. I've actually heard that that's a wives' tale. Well, I think it was. And I think it was just a way of getting it me it does work the... with flowers. Different with hair. Works with flowers. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're doing is stopping them get so huge. So it contains their size, but it also encourages Encourages flowers to flower for longer interesting okay so but to answer your question when you get when everything's looking a bit tired you just hack it back Mm. okay people are scared of that 
but it's really well rooted make sure it's got enough water and it will just come back with more flowers okay so we've kind of figured out our colors we've kind of understood the colors for, of the seasons which is incredibly helpful by the way thank you from everybody from the bottom of my heart um but now back to autumn we are in autumn and now is the time which is the oddest thing because the thought of now going and buying bulbs that you're not going to see it would be like being, buying a swimsuit oh i know i'm going to go i'm going to go bikini shopping today last thing i feel like doing yeah but i'm going to do it in the rain it's the complete opposite of when people yeah. care about their gardens. Which is and why everyone puts off the planting, right? It's and, the, and it's why yeah. we're the busiest time of year for us for inquiries is spring, when everyone's like, oh, it's quite nice outside now. And you're like, should have phoned me six months ago. Yes. Okay. So now is so crucial. Not only for spring bulbs, you need to be ordering now if you haven't already, because the good ones sell out and eventually they all sell out. But with spring bulbs, you're planting them right now. It's the only ones you're not going to do until November is tulips. So you don't plant, so you plant everything now. Every bulb goes in the ground in, yep. in basically late, late October, November or mid-October. September, October, November, December. So, okay. If you intend on planting tulips with other stuff, I personally just wait till mid to late November. General rule is you need to shiver when you walk outside. Oh. The idea being tulips get tulip fire, which is a disease which sort of distorts the tulip. You don't want it. And oh, it's, right. it lives in the warmer soil so you need the soil to be cold enough that it's not going to get them right okay so from my point of view i just wait until late november and plant them all at once because i can't be doing with planting oh that's good to know hundreds of bulbs okay all... and uh and now i have to ask about this brilliant machine there's yes. a machine that i've seen that you use that you amazing the auger i was using that that hand one. Oh. oh my god I, I literally couldn't move my arm the next day and i had about 200 bulbs to plant but t- tell me about is it called the auger it's an auger a-u-g-e-r and it's A-U-G-E-R. essentially you get your drill and it, it can you need a good drill because it, it's you need a, oh, a so it's an attachment one. that goes on your drill exactly oh, you okay. put it in your drill and it's a, essentially a spiral oh right okay isn't it kind of like what they did for the channel tunnel but obviously on a much smaller much scale. smaller scale okay helpful um corkscrew like a corkscrew like a corkscrew and you attach it to your drill and you do need it a quite a powerful drill because okay. if you've got I mean if you've got sandy soil you're going to have a lovely time but if you've got clay then it's like mine's clay yeah so order your bulbs if you haven't already and then I would just plant them in November or December or like you after Christmas. so you're having to order them now because they're going to go out of stock if you don't yes but you're ordering them you're planting them up in November yes where do you keep is there any way you should keep them somewhere cool and dry and for god's sake take them out of the box when they arrive don't oh. be like oh thanks very much and just shove the box in the shed open it and take them out because otherwise if you think they're still a, a kind of a living thing if you just leave a load of bulbs sat on top of each other they're going to sort of sweat and rot okay so open the box take them out and just sort of lay them on a shelf or put them somewhere that's just good... just spread them out so they don't sweat on each other that's a great tip yeah okay the the existing bulbs that are in the ground from the year before when do you take those out i don't even the tulips tulips rarely come back and if they do they're usually a bit shit that's interesting i left all my tulip bulbs well they might surprise you i think i might have saved oh my god i think i did that i think i saved i think i pulled them all out of the pots and i think i've saved them pots are different so in the ground i just leave all bulbs things like alliums snowdrops daffodils they'll all come back just let them do their thing some tulips will surprise you and come back but it will be nowhere near as good as the year if you planted them in november smaller or just less of them but in pots what i do is treat it as an annual so you grow them they flower do their thing you have to leave them to die back if you want to use them again i personally don't i personally compost them because they're never as good so i put everything out of pots and compost it if it's a tulip 
you, everything else you can whack out. So if you did a pot display which had daffodils, alliums and tulips, if you want when the daffodils are over, you let them die back a bit, pull them out. But I just, I don't have storage space for well, that. Well, daffodils always come back in abundance every year. They seem to they just do. keep back. So if you're like frugal or you've got the storage space to lift them, let them die back, they need to die back because... The way a bulb works, if you think of it like a solar panel, it's like the bulb needs the energy of the leaves. The leaves are the solar panel, so they absorb all of the nutrients from the sun as it's dying back and the energy goes back into the bulb. Amazing. And it's like a little battery. The worst thing you could possibly do is yank all the green leaves off it, even though it looks a bit crap. Okay. When it's dying down. Right. And now's the time also when you're going to be planting your garden. So if you've got your spreadsheet and you've done your colours and you know where it is, now's when you're planting it. Hedging trees they're at your cheapest now because there is something called bare root season which is when you dig up a plant from the ground and it's not been put in a pot it gets delivered to you as a big ball of earth with a plant on it and it's cheaper so it's far more economical the the plants are asleep so they don't know they've been moved so it's it's such a busy time for you now now is plan your garden time so it's planting the trees time buy your bulbs but really plant all your bulbs in november i would okay it goes without saying i've obviously asked everything that's up in my head but if there's anything anyone out there thinks i've missed and would like to ask ask us the questions on the the underscore ins and outs underscore instagram that's where we're taking questions and ask polly anything that you want to about color or bulbs or anything and we'll try and answer it next week next week next week yes big old week episode six that's going to be fun. Oh, it's like going to be gardener's question time. Yes. Mixed with interior's question time. Yes, asked by Andy Rowe. Oh my God. I, I know, it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Perhaps we could have wine for that one. Oh, let's have wine for that one. We'll make it an evening one. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm excited. Okay, good. This leads me to the cringy bit where I ask you to please like, subscribe, share with your friends. Because if you don't, we won't be able to do this again. And next week is our final episode our q a and if you've enjoyed the last few weeks like we have we'd love to keep doing it we want to keep sharing and offering tips and advice and just generally having a get together and a chat over the next time a glass of wine um thank you so much as well for all the questions that you've so far sent in we've had a look at some of them and they're brilliant so thank you very much and we've really enjoyed it so far so talk to you next week pal talk to you next week pal bring look the wine to it boo what wine do you want this is important red poulian no, Brilliant I'm red. very precise. Montepulciano would be lovely. All right. Well, what are you going to drink? You're a white drinker. No, I'll drink red with you. Would you? Andy, what are you going to have? Beer? Oh, Andy. I'll drink a wine. Would you, you drink a wine? You could have a beer. Yeah. Stop it, wine night. Wine night. Wine night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Can't wait. That's a wrap. That's going to be loose.